0: to showbiz's politics, the Grammys, the publicity generated by Columbia, and the Temper of the Times, combined to spark a book publisher's interest in Bessie, which led to the original edition of this biography. It gave me an opportunity to fill in some of the many blanks left us by previous chroniclers. One reason why the lives of many jazz performers had been treated so superficially is that there was so much ground to cover and writers had a natural tendency to concentrate on contemporary artists. Another reason is that neither early writers nor those whom they interviewed felt sufficiently liberated to be forthright. Bessie, in its first incarnation, could not have been published in the 1940s and probably not in the 1950s, at least not without stirring up controversy. In 1972 we were urged to tell it like it is, but few jazz writers did, so I decided to throw political correctness to the wind and concluded, by way of convenient rationalization perhaps, that the Empress of the Blues probably would have been no less candid had she lived to write the book herself. Expecting some flack from the prudish jazz press, I was pleasantly surprised when only one reviewer took offense. In the 1930s and 1940s, when jazz literature was limited to the occasional book, one would not have had difficulty finding people with personal recollections of Bessie. But that may also be why writers dealt with her so superficially. There was no sense of urgency. Consequently, much information vanished as people passed away and memories dimmed. Still, a remarkable number of recollections were preserved mainly because the folk and blues revival of the late 1950s and early 1960s sparked renewed interest in the origins of all African-American music and those who had helped shape it. Were it not for a chance meeting with Ruby Walker a few months earlier, I might not have accepted the offer to write a Bessie Smith biography. Ruby and I had become friends, and our many conversations about Bessie, with whom she toured for fifteen years, had made it clear to me that a book needed to be written, At that point in time, I don't think a meaningful biography of Bessie could have been written without tapping Ruby's extraordinary memory. It would certainly have been seriously undernourished without her input. Black performers, especially older ones, exercise understandable discretion when speaking to white writers. There are aspects of black life that many feel are best unshared. It's not that they have any sordid secrets to hide But being black can be very much an in-thing, and it behooves many African Americans to preserve at least part of the mystique that years of racial division has formed. As I began work on the biography and faced Ruby Walker over a microphone, she surprised me with her candor. It helped that we had already established a solid personal friendship, and that the times were indeed a-changing in 1971. The flower generation loosened us all up, and Ruby knew that it was now possible and indeed trendy, to let it all hang out, as the saying went. There are incidents in this book that show Bessie Smith in a decidedly unfavorable light. Others are either favorable or unfavorable, depending on the listener's mindset. I included them because they reveal aspects of her personality that are essential to an understanding of her. Other incidents, some far more sensational, were left out because they seemed irrelevant. One television interviewer asked me why there was so much sexual content in the book. I replied that I had probably dealt conservatively with that subject, that I had included only a few of the incidents of backstage promiscuity, and that I had, for example, left out any mention of the German Shepherd. The interviewer decided that it was time for a commercial break. Bessie Smith cared remarkably little for the good opinion of others. She sought acceptance as a human being, but she would not alter her ways in order to gain it. As I have indicated, I like to think that a Bessie Smith autobiography would have held very little back. In 1971, writers were beginning to face the reality of drugs on the jazz scene, but jazz artists were generally portrayed with Hollywood-like detachment. They were there, they played, they recorded, and, one presumed that they had a life beyond music— but no details were offered. I knew, therefore, that the candor of this book might offend, and that its dispelling of myths might disillusion. Having read a number of superficial biographies and heard performers laugh at their naivete, I felt obliged to paint as accurate a portrait of Bessie Smith as could be produced at such a late date, and although the early 1970s was a confused period of ethnic polarization, I felt that the ethnic disparity between me and my subject should not be inhibiting. No writer, black or white,